Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Kerry Brown, VP Workforce Adoption at SAP. Kerry is known internationally as a talent economy evangelist and thought leader. She previously worked for Baker Hughes, CSR and Coca-Cola Enterprises. At SAP, Kerry focuses on the future of work in terms of how jobs will change, where we work, how we work and who we work with. Kerry has a passion for making employees successful at their jobs and helps companies achieve organizational excellence with SAP. Kerry is an international speaker and advisor on the future of work, workforce adoption and change management, interacting with diverse global occupational cultures and industries, including many Fortune 1000 customers. Kerry is also a competitive rower. She's originally from beautiful Vancouver, a food and wine lover, world traveler, and connector of people. She is passionate about making employees successful at their jobs and is a lifelong student and champion of change. Kerry, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Bill, thank you very much. Happy to be here. So beyond my reintroduction there, please tell our listeners a bit more about your career background and your current role at SAP. My career has always really been focused on people. So I began my career in Vancouver, actually in marketing, and very quickly I shifted from focusing on the marketing side of things to really internal marketing. And that's a lot of what I would consider change management to be. I actually went to school for sports marketing and thought I would grow up and run the Olympics. So I have very avidly followed what's happening with the Olympics right now due to COVID-19. And really then what happened is I switched into focusing on people from a change management perspective and continued to do that both non-SAP related and SAP related and moved through a number of different customers that you shared and then joined SAP now 16 years ago. And my role now at SAP, I'm part of our chief customer innovation office. So I work with customers looking at and working with them on what their strategy is around people. The underpinnings of change and learning are all still there. What's happened in the last few years is looking at the variables that are influencing that. And so thinking about the changes in demographics, as well as the introduction of intelligent technologies such as AI and machine learning and blockchain, which are also changing the way that work happens. And so at the end of the day, my litmus test is how do people's jobs change and those technologies and variables in the marketplace are influencing that a great deal. Okay, thank you very much. Now, given the recent COVID-19 outbreak, what, what is what is the commonality that you, that you hear from all companies right now as they think about managing talent remotely? The commonalities I would say I see right now, number one is safety. So I'm definitely seeing a strong concern for the well-being of the workforce, both from a genuine care for their people and secondarily from a how do we thrive through and out of this situation. So having a healthy and capable team to be able to navigate through now as well as to prepare and launch out of where we are right now are two themes that I see. In terms of you know pure safety, obviously all of the considerations around stay at home, work from home, et cetera, to allow for health. But also then when you think about the challenges and commonalities I see are, are how do we redefine jobs you know, 
on a dime. You know, we've gone from things that were, you know, for us, for example, at SAP, I've been remote the entire time I've been here. I've never had an office at SAP. And I don't know that I want one because I'm frankly more productive without one because I don't get dressed up to go to an office and I don't sit in rush hour traffic and so on. So actually for me, remote work is not unfamiliar. What is unfamiliar is I'm typically on a plane traveling to customers 50 to 60% of my time. So for me, the fact that I'm at home alone and disconnected from people is really the change. What's interesting though is everybody, both professionally and personally is being impacted at speed. So it's not just your neighbor or just you or just your spouse. It's everybody and their children and their neighbors and their friends. So the commonality I see everywhere is really just a, a very immediate reaction. I don't say reaction in a reactive manner, but reaction to how do we now redefine what work is, how it gets done so that we can not only survive, but thrive. We'll be right back after this message from Espressa. The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espressa built the first culture benefits platform designed to make heroes out of HR teams while connecting people and community. Espressa.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espressa.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A.com. Okay, thank you very much. Now, in, in a recent article, I think it was published in October of 2019, you, you wrote for Harvard Business Review, I think. You, you asked, how do we adapt to culture when experience and expectations are changing well my goodness me now now more than ever uh experiences are changing given the huge shifts and stresses currently being placed on leaders and on employees what what, what do you believe hr can do to retain some kind of a semblance of, of company culture which keeps employees pulling in the same direction one of the tenets around managing change that i've always thought is true is that it's about building trust and building shared ownership and I would say that right now, on a mass scale, everyone is going through change. You know, we've talked about some of the examples, and there's certainly many more we could give. And so when I look at leaders, I think a lot of it across both leaders and for workers is building trust in both directions. For the leaders, it's being open communicators with the organization and their people to say, here's what's happening, here's what's not happening, here's where we know what's going to be happening next, so that people feel connected and informed. Similarly, I think for the employee, over-communicating with their managers or their leaders allows for trust when they're working in a remote setting where they might not have the visibility to the way that that work is happening that they are used to having. And then around shared ownership, you know, so many companies now have the opportunity either, you know, really they're both ends of the spectrum. Either we have customers in their organizations who are stretched beyond belief to keep up with demand, if they're in healthcare or in food, for example, um, you know, getting a hold of peanut butter and toilet paper and macaroni and cheese, you know, and, and healthcare supplies, very, very high demand. Flip side, no demand. Airlines, um, restaurant workers, hospitality, et cetera, and all of the other things around services that we typically touch and connect with are at mass layoffs. So, 
In terms of shared ownership, what I think is really the opportunity is for how whoever is part of a business, whether it's one that's being stretched based on growth or one that's being stretched based on shrinkage, is understanding again, back to that communication of why things are happening and giving people the opportunity where it's possible to continue to contribute. So, um, you know, giving opportunities for the employees to generate ideas on how to adjust and change and grow um, to actually, you know, with businesses I know that are being stretched around layoffs and so forth is redefining what work might be and going from everyone having a five day work week, whoever having a, you know, pay for a, a two day work week, but working for the five days so that they can come out and launch again. So to me, really two of the themes, I think one is again around shared ownership and then the other is around building trust. Thanks, Kerry. Uh, we currently have 14 rolls of toilet roll in my household, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we are going to be protecting those like mad because at the moment it's gold <laughs> dust. So if any of my neighbours are listening, you cannot have any. I'm sorry. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. I, um, I know somebody who was cleaning through their house today, actually a, a friend in Toronto, and she found a little bottle of, of hand sanitizer, and she said it's like finding money in your pocket that you had <laughs> right? recently. Yeah. So same idea. It's, uh, it's there are new commodities right now. That's for sure. Um, okay, so we we have lots of technology in place to to help employees to continue to work e even from home and even for prolonged periods. But are, are there any gaps? If so, where are those gaps? Are, are they are they tech or cultural gaps? And and what can be done? For example, how effectively can managers monitor the productivity of their remote workers? I think there's a lot of, I think there's, yeah, not, I think, I know there's many, many, many tools in place. Um, you know, some we have, some others have, you know, there's many tools in place. What I would say is, is new and different and a gap for many is whether or not this is typical. And so thinking about it in a more personal setting, think about a relationship where you both live in the same town and then you decide or need or put in a situation where you end up having a long distance relationship you end up building new habits and new rules of engagement around how much you communicate, you know, how much is too much, how much is too little, how much is just right. So where's that Goldilocks sweet spot that actually makes both parties feel comfortable. And so translating that to work, you know, I think the gap is not necessarily one in technology, but also one in just what are the habits that are acceptable or, or not. So do you need to dress up to be on video? Do you have to be on video? Um, do you want to be on video? I think some of the other gaps though are, are those aspects of, um, from, of, of community that can be formed with technology. So I know of companies, for example, who run entirely on Slack and we'll have a Slack channel, which is where the cat videos and the funny pictures go. But if you've been used to having natural interaction in a co-located setting and now you're remote, how you share the photos and the pictures and the stories, you know, we're all very um, sort of taught or conditioned to use meetings as I start here and I'm productive and then we get something done in that half hour that we've agreed to be connected for and then we're done. And the the warmth and the connectedness that comes from the conversation that would typically happen if you were in person may or may not get lost online. So for example, one of the things that a colleague was sharing for his team in China, they're using video like 
as if they were down the hall from each other. So instead of setting a time to say, I'm going to talk to you from 1030 till 11, they'll just, you know, ping that person and say, hey, how are you doing? Because the expectation is that all of them are working in their virtual workplaces, imagining that they would just walk down the hall and say hi. And so they're using video as a fluid means of connecting with each other versus a planned means. And so I think the thing that is missing is not necessarily the actual functionality that technology can have to see or to connect or to share, but it's what is missing is our habits and patterns that make that feel familiar and not so foreign. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I guess another big area that a lot of folk will be turning to right now is online learning management systems. Uh, now, in the in the context of SAP, of course, and uh, and you are here today representing SAP. How how important is learning technology in getting employees to be successful in using SAP software? Uh, significantly, you know that that sort of goes without saying. But I will share a story. In in two thousand eight, when the economy was impacted significantly, we had a number of customers who put a ban on travel or a ban on training. Um, both from cost management considerations, not dissimilar sentiments to where some businesses sit right now. Our training offerings at the time for our customers on how to build were quite minimal. So our percent of training that we did was in the low single digits for what we offered to customers that was virtual. And overnight, we went to 30 to 40% of our offerings being offered digitally, or I should say virtually. And now we sit where it's more in the you know, 70% plus range of what we offer virtually. And sim what I would add is that those offerings have now been adapted and designed so that that virtual experience is a positive one versus just a, a, a poor facsimile for not being in the same room together. And so learning solutions certainly are allowing all of us to take better advantage of some time we might have available to us right now you know, where a commute might go away or where travel might go away. There's time that can be spent focusing on um, getting other things done or developing and working on those things that you meant to do or, or the nice to do's on your list. Um, and I think that's something to, to, to your earlier question, I apologize, I didn't entirely answer it, of what do leaders do to measure? You know, the reality is, is if you ask somebody how much spare time they have right now, they're probably going to be shy to answer that because they don't want to look like they're not busy. However, if you give people the opportunity to continue to develop, you know, they're going to volunteer and they're going to apply themselves, one, because they want the job that they have and or need the job that they have, but also there's an opportunity to do that. So uh, back to your question around measurement, um, I think setting expectations and setting clarity around communications around that of what's needed. And so translating that to learning is how will that extra time potentially be used and what are the commitments and agreements made between leaders and people or managers and people on what's going to happen right now. And learning solutions are affording us the opportunity both virtually either as a one-to-one -one or one-to-many or a pre-configured learning solution. All of those options are there. So you know, one of the things we spoke about, so thinking about learning beyond just a, a learning class, one of the challenges we often have in terms of upskilling new people who are being introduced to the marketplace when you think about demographics is how do we have somebody shadow who is a younger resource a more junior resource shadow a more senior resource in real life you know pre the last few weeks 
bringing somebody along to a customer meeting might either A, be costly, B, change the dynamic of that room or have, you know, extra people there that can feel uncomfortable, et cetera. There's actually an opportunity right now for people to shadow where it doesn't feel so unfamiliar and you're not having that cost to do that. So there's actually some opportunities right now for mentoring and shadowing that are other learning opportunities that really I think are, are not typical to the way we currently previously work. Um, similarly, you know, I look now at all of the side projects and things that, you know, I'm having some more time to get things done. There's a learning opportunity for me to invite others along to participate in that because I can plan them in a different way than if I'm doing them wrapped around my extra few minutes, I can actually do that with others. So I think there's some um, great opportunities for learning right now, both using technology as well as using technology that are communication and collaboration tools that can actually create sort of that on the job learning right now. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And one last question for you today, Terry, and that's uh, how can our listeners learn more about you? How can they connect with you? How can they, um, how, they how can they keep abreast of uh, the different awesome activities that you get up to? I keep pretty much everything that I do on LinkedIn. So Kerry Brown, K-E-R-R-Y Brown uh, at SAP on LinkedIn is probably the best way. I make sure that all the things I write for either Forbes or Harvard Business Review or others, I, I keep them there. Um, as well as share other things that I'm seeing that are interesting in the marketplace. So that's a great place to find me and love to hear from anybody who has specific questions. I can be reached there as well. And Kerry is very responsive. I can I can uh, attest to that. As I reached out to you, what, like a week ago, and I said, hey, can we do an interview? And you're all over it. So I, I, I do appreciate that. And that just leads me actually to say for today, Kerry Brown, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode. My pleasure. Really, it's it's... I think the more that we can learn from each other, the better we can navigate through now. So absolutely was happy to help out and happy to chat more in future. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.